Welcome one, welcome all, welcome to another episode of Fan Team Radio. We are your hosts, Shyam Khan and Chris Odi Odorizzi. Chris, what's up? Hey, Shyam. Yeah, man. We had a uh, uh, wonderful race today in, in Monaco. Give some details on the track. Uh, cool little details. First race was in 1950. So it's been around for, uh, what, 73 years now? We're getting close to that 75th anniversary. Maybe they'll do something cool. But it's one of the shorter tracks um, on the circuit. 3.33 kilometers or just about two miles which is uh short but it's also incredibly narrow we've seen uh how tight the racing in monaco go, can go so yeah we had 78 laps and uh you know 50 50 so of those were kind of typical mono racing and then we had a little bit of a little shake up with the rain coming down so we'll get into that but uh yeah man like what were your super uh, overall thoughts on the monaco race yeah, you know, my, my Rainmaker dance over the weekend uh, took effect. Yeah. And uh, and I'm glad that it spiced things up a little bit towards the end there. Because uh, it was kind of making out to be a little bit of a boring and predictable race in the beginning, right? Um, yeah. I think as a relatively new watcher, this is probably like my fifth Monaco race that I've watched live. And it took me a second to kind of appreciate when they talk about qualifying for Monaco, it really is the race, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I didn't really understand what that meant. I was still trying to get my bearings with, with all the races. And it took me to this year to, to, to finally understand what they mean by that. So uh, for, for, for listeners that are also kind of like me and just listening, you know, just kind of getting their uh, first taste of Monaco, the track was, is the oldest track on, on the grid. Uh, it was, it, it started before the championship series even started. So at the time race cars were really small box car, like, you know, structures didn't go that fast, um, you know, appropriate for the, for the, for the size of, of the streets of Monaco. But obviously the cars have not only grown uh, in, in dimensions, but they've gotten heavier uh, and they, you know, they're carrying more fuel. They're a little bit more dangerous um, or le- less dangerous, depending on who you ask. But uh, <laughs> all that to say, you know, it, it makes passing incredibly tough, uh, unless you're Logos Sergeant in the, in, you know, on this <laughs> on this yeah. track. Um, unlike most, you know, these these the, the Miami Grand Prix and then uh, Imola that, that that ended up not happening this year and then um, Spain coming up, you know, these tracks allow for like overtakes and Monaco just just really doesn't in, in today's era of cars, uh, which leads to the to the um, the debate on whether or not it, it, it still belongs on the grid and, and you know, people. Uh, say that it should be on the grid because it has such historic reverence and others are in the camp that it shouldn't be on the grid anymore it's just kind of not up to par uh i think with 24 race season you know now that the calendar is getting bigger and bigger a race like monaco ensures uh you know that there's an evening of the pack that could happen uh for example what 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 you saw with ocon uh today and then um kind of the the inability of Checo to just move up the grid even though he has arguably the fastest car and kind of overtake uh you know that that just wasn't really possible so uh all in all I thought Monaco was a great race today uh I do think the rain is is a big factor to that really exciting to see everyone put go to intermediates and then onto wets and and you know 
watching the comedy that is Williams, uh, <laughs> you know, unfold. Um, and and it's also interesting to see uh, in in Kuali if if something goes wrong, the cranes bring the cars up to such a height that you can see their underexposed belly, uh, which most teams try to go through a lot of, uh, you know, trouble and, and 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 insurance to ensure that you know people aren't seeing that but all bets are off in monaco yeah. i guess the, the, the floor <laughs> is the one part of the car that you really can keep under wraps like for the majority of the season the and the amount of posts studying the red bull floor from the pictures were insane and if you know the the twitter verse is exploring and studying you know every other team has their engineers with like 4D scanners and whatever because <laughs> that the under... if they use the CSI technology where they zoom in and it becomes clearer Enhance. somehow. Enhance. <laughs> yeah, like, but seriously, like they there was a I don't don't remember his name, but there was a like an aerodynamic specialist who was like, This is why Red Bull is leaps ahead because the underside of this floor is insane. And people were even posting pictures of uh, Christian Horner and Adrian Newey's faces uh, the moment the car was lifted up on the crane and they were just like not happy at all. Um, You know, like obviously you can look at the floor and you can make some assumptions. The whole car has to work together as one aerodynamic unit, but still um, any any information is important. So that was definitely an interesting aspects uh, of Monaco. Also goes to show how stupid I am because I saw both the floors on cars and I was like, they look exactly the same to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely uh, it's definitely not my forte either. Yeah, but, the uh, the details are really lost uh, on 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 someone as uh, as low down the totem pole intellectually as I am. Hey, I just like the fact that there are guys out there like Adrian who can uh, see the matrix, as it were, of the way air moves around things to to create something as beautiful as that car. But uh, I just like that. They go, meow, meow, meow. But yeah, meow. no. Um, and we'll be back, seeing that in Austin. Yeah. <laughs> going back to your point about Monaco on the race calendar. I've thought a lot about this because, uh, you know, Monaco does have that historic nature to it. Um, and there was one thing that was new today at this track that really made me appreciate uh, Monaco is that this is the first Monaco race in the history of the sport where we had helicopter shots. Um, and so we had the helicopter flying over and it let me see a, a new perspective of the track, uh, the different elevations. I never really truly realized the, the track is basically like street upon street upon street upon street. You're basically like looking down this like ledge and they're going back and forth and back and forth. And I was like, this track is beautiful. Like yeah. everything about this track is a pure racing track, other than the fact that the cars don't fit on it anymore. And I really wish we could have like a special edition Monaco car where they built a Monaco only race car the size of, you know, half the size of the cars today so that we could have true traditional racing. Cause I don't want to see this race leave the calendar. Um, there's too much prestige. There's that too would much. Be adorable, by the way. Smaller cars. Like same size you, drivers. Could you imagine if like every team just basically built a 50% version of the car for this race? It would be so freaking cool. But that'd be adorable. <laughs> but Yuki would be like, hey, this looks like my car at home. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
but yeah, yeah it's Ma- like it, it, that's an interesting point that you that you bring up, Chris, and I think it's worth mentioning digging into just quickly here. So the Kymar operators that they hired for this race is uh, an actually you know established team of operators that work globally on sporting events, as opposed to initially they had a local crew that would um i think last year they had missed some crucial parts of the race and cut away uh during 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 um i can't remember exactly what the events were that transpired but uh but it definitely wasn't professional and and it wasn't something that you know uh i guess showcase monaco in the way that that it was today and i think you're and you make a good point yeah like the the way that they shot monaco today and having those you know helicopter shots that were able to follow the cars in movement and then switch over really seamlessly to stills of like uh the cameras that have been set up on different vantage points all incredibly professional i i definitely 100 there with you on, on how they shot monaco today was was very different from the last couple of races that i've seen yeah, it was uh, it was awesome to watch. Um, there are a few different camera angles I wish they would change slightly, mainly like on boards. Um, do I want to be able? There's I've seen some shots where you can really feel the speed of the car, uh, and it's really difficult to tell that sometimes with the way they have the shots. But yeah, the 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 race was great today. The track was uh, beautiful. Um, I don't know if there's a solve for the the potential. Potential procession for the race, but uh, going back to the point we brought up earlier, quality on this track was mind blowing. Um, the there was a couple parts of the track where there was new tarmac laid down, and so the grip was like new for the drivers from previous years, and it really showed because the lap times were just melting away every single lap. It was like Max was P one, and then he was like P fifteen. And then back to P1 and then like ding, 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 going down the line just because every time a car crossed the line, the track was going that much faster. And like uh, my wife and I, we were actually like literally off the seats, screaming at the TV like Ocon gets pole. We're like, oh, my fucking God, Ocon's in pole. And then Alonzo goes and we're like, yeah, Fernando. And then Max is two tenths down with like through the first sector we're like oh my god there's no way and we're like we're getting alonzo on pole and then all of a sudden max just puts the third sector like brutal just the evolution of the track also he drove like an absolute maniac i don't know if you watched his last quality lap but he hit the wall three times he was so on the limit and you know it was insane but that was yeah that was a beautiful qualifying session that uh, you know, I think if, even if the race is sort of a procession and all the people get to do all day is drink on their yachts and, you know, have a good time, then whatever. The quality session is worth it to keep it on the track. But yeah, yeah it, was- I, it, it, it definitely has all the makings of uh, of a visually stimulating race yeah. without the race needing to be very stimulating itself. Uh, I think they play up quality in this um, in this race uh, purposefully, uh, you know, as the years go on. I don't know what that would look like, but they definitely found a natural groove in in keeping the track, preserving it as it is, and then finding the point in the weekend that that they should ext- uh, uh, accentuate, extenu- extenuate, and <laughs> and I think it is quality. And I'm I'm trying to rack my mind and see if there are other races on the calendar that could, that has a similar effect. 
nothing's coming to mind just quite like Monaco. Are you thinking, do you have any in mind, Chris? I mean, Jeddah is probably the closest thing that comes to sure. Monaco just because it's tight track. It's really high speed. Um, not a lot of room for de- uh, for take takeovers. Th- there, there's more takeovers at, at Jeddah than they expected there to be. But the fact that it, it is definitely less than a, a traditional racing track. But, um, you know, Jeddah was actually a lot more exciting than, than I thought. But in, in Monaco doesn't have that same feel to it. But Monaco has definitely a special feel. It's like actually one of the only races that I really, really, really want to go to live just to experience yeah. the the ambiance of it. Um, you know how much I love Valtteri. He has this uh, Valtteri Bottas experience where you get to watch directly from his private house, uh, him and Tiffany's home, and you get to, which is right over the starting grid. And I was like, is this worth eight thousand? <laughs> you know euros per person which uh definitely can't afford but um yeah i just want to go experience it to one day yeah, man. But, i mean uh, you know how much i love linens and yeah wear a nice linen shirt with my top three buttons off i'll <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll 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 walk on there like pierre gassy there you go um man. It, cool but, well <laughs> yeah it's a, like i want i think it leads to a point um uh i can't I mean, obviously, I've watched for the last few years, but this year felt there was a, a desperation in some of the drivers, um, like uh, that led to being what I felt like was bumper cars for me one today. Um, and it all started when, well, actually, it started on like the at the start, the first turn, uh, maybe it was the second turn. You had a couple people bumping into each other, getting a little bit of damage. Sergio got some damage, Sergeant and Stroll. Uh, as they were going around the hairpin. Uh, but then, you know, Carlos was really pushing up on uh, Magnuson, was it? And uh, no, 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 it was uh, it was the Ferrari. No, 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 it was Ocon, where he bumped into him going into the, the swimming pool section of the chicane. And he like dove yeah. real far. And yeah, it was it was right after he was like, hey, guys, let's push for the yeah, yeah. yeah I, well, I think I know. well, because he was on hards and or, or on mediums and he wanted to push the mediums to make a pit early. And uh so he like dove hard and just like sheared off his wing. And ever since that moment, it was just people just like constantly bumping into each other. Um, but then when the rain started, lap 53, it almost felt like every single person just became an amateur at Formula One again. You had Carlos sliding, you had people bumping into each other, you had complete... But you had the commentator saying the entire time that this is just absolutely you know, dynamic driving from from top line experts. Like the way they were commentating made it seem like this is the best of the best of the best, which it is, right? Like these guys are the most premier drivers with the most innovative cars under their seats, uh, unless you're Williams and Logan Sargent. But, you know, <laughs> th- like that, I think that, that, that kind of highlights the appreciation we should have for, not just a wet race, like on any track, but specifically to Monaco, because the bumper car effect, that's just, I think, um, uh, that, that that's just what happens when you have big cars on a, on a, on a circuit that's not meant to, to, to host cars of that size. Right. But the, 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 the competitiveness is still all there. So that's just going to, going to happen, whether it's dry or wet. And I think with the rain, you know, it, it seemed a little comedic uh, for, for some of the drivers that were bumping into each other, but 
the other drivers that were able to steer it clear and, you know, really uh, finish, you know, the Mercedes especially, uh, and, and even McLaren, uh, we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit more later, but, you know, the these teams that are able to finish and these drivers that are able to finish, it, it really does give me a elevated sense of appreciation for them. Like, even though it is kind of funny watching them kind of slide into each other, well, um, the, it, the team strategy being affected by it. And then, cause there's two team strategies essentially that they're being deployed is either you start with mediums and you get that steady, uh, you know, uh, uh, stable start uh, or sorry, that, that quick start off. And then you go into the hards afterwards to keep, um, uh, keep the longevity or you flip it around you start on hards and then you kind of you know make your way to either softs or mediums at the end of the race but then when intermediates and wet tires came in that really i think put the team strategy to a test and ferrari was that probably the 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 the, the, the worst end of it i would say for for this race yeah i mean to your point um about the quality of the drivers with as many wings and body parts and carbon fiber that were saloon around the track today, uh, having nothing more than a, a couple of yellow flags for a moment. Uh, we, I don't even know if we had a VSC in the race. So um, no, no VSC, no red flags. I was kind of mind boggled. You know, you, you see that shot of Carlos turning, locking up the rear and just sliding down the hill into the barrier. And then, when uh, George Russell re-entered the track from the runoff and Sergio Perez just smashes into his side and flips yeah. Russell up. And like the amount of chaos that Even was... Yuki backing his car out uh, from the from the from the runaway. Yeah, um... I, I, I want to talk about Yuki in a minute because um, what a, what a fall from grace. Uh, I, I I'm rooting for the guy, honestly um well let's just talk about him now like i'm rooting for him so much uh and obviously i want him to crush nick uh his 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 teammate all as much as possible but yuki um you know he was like eighth and then ninth and then he just kept getting passed and when the rain happened i i think he was having some brake troubles and i really wanted to make points again today but then as soon as um as soon as the rain happened he got passed by the two mclarens uh which just seemed to blow by him with ease uh yeah. it almost he, felt like he kind of gave up and just like he was in heavy contention with his engineers uh um, yeah. over the radio and you can hear that his brakes weren't agreeing with them uh and then there's really not a whole lot that that uh the pit team could do at that point from where they were i, I i'm i agree with you i think yuki had a really great quality he had you know a really good race uh he was going to finish again in points keep that p9 position i don't think his um his misfortunes this week will affect um the outlook that that hopefully the team has on him and, and devries and then also like the the general uh fans outlook i still think that he's in a better position at alpha tory for sure uh, yeah than, than, than nick is uh but yeah it was definitely really difficult to see the kid uh drop uh, so many uh, spots especially he was having low-key a really great race uh, and I think it happened uh, as the rain started which was really unfortunate because yeah. la- like the, the la- in the last 20 laps I think it happened I think what happened was is that he was having when the rain started his whatever brake issue that he was having was exacerbated and his engineers 
essentially changed his brake balance or told him to change his brake balance to have better performance, but it didn't work for what Yuki was trying to do. So he was basically much slower around the lap and wasn't getting good exits out of the corners, which ultimately just led the McLarens getting so much more speed down the straight and just blow by him. And I think, I think what happened, Yuki is such an emotional person and you could see it through his, his very aggressive team radios. Um, that I think once he got past, he was so irritated about being out of the points that he just like tried too hard to like go a little bit faster. And then he ultimately had to go into the runoff, uh, which essentially killed his race. So I just feel bad for the guy. I think he'll be back up there. I think in the, in the dry, like you said, he had a really good quality, really good race. Um, but I'm just rooting for him to do, to, to have a pretty decent year, continue getting into the points. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, I had made a point about this in a, in, a, in a past episode of ours is the maturation that you can kind of see take effect on with Yuki in his first year. I, I honestly thought he was going to be a one and done. I didn't really know a whole lot about his background. Like he was a very competitive driver uh, in, 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 in junior divisions, but I just didn't really know like if he was going to be able to grow past that. Right. And, and, I think the first step of, of that was to get the fundamentals of driving down and getting the car and putting it in position to, 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 to get points, especially as, you know, like, um, as a, as, as a, as a works, it's a works team, right? Yeah. yeah. As a works team. Um, the next step of that, I think is what you see with like the Charles and, and the Lewis's is being able to consult, provide feedback, back to your engineers in in a constructive wholesome way under pressure uh in a way that you command that you're able to kind of if you felt like he that wasn't the right strategy to take i would think someone like a fernando alonso would take it upon themselves to 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 know what they're doing on there to to, to get the car um or, or to be able to tell their engineers like hey this is what needs to be done um and i think you, that's the next evolution of Yuki as a driver is to be able to internalize all the feedback that he's getting, but then when he spits it back out, it's in a way that is constructive and to the point, and and that they're in, that his engineers can do something with it. There is room for emotions, of course, but like I think, you know, for him to take that next step, and for him, for honestly in a sense for other teams to consider him as as an actual like you know really uh a driver that they can give a multi-year offer to or or see them like see him driving for them that he does need to show that like hey this is what's going wrong we're under the gun here's what i think should be done to fix it let's let's do something about it as opposed to the reactionary kind of you know, uh, emotional reaction that he that he has right now. So I I, I feel bad for Yuki. He's uh, he's definitely uh, I think he should have been in in, in at least a P nine position uh, today. But well, you know, it's a, it, a learning hour. I, I do, if, if if Yuki can get control of that mental outbreak, emotional that trigger effect, um, and really improve a little bit, I think he had he has a big potential to to actually fulfill Honda's wishes to be that like second seat at Aston Martin when they take over in 26. Um, but yeah, let's, 
So speaking of Aston Martin, I want to talk about Fernando for a few minutes because I disagree. I had a little disagreement with a, a close friend of mine earlier, but I 100% without a doubt think that Alonso could have won this race if they had pit for enters first. Um, I went back and rewatched it and he was like 12 to 13 seconds back behind at the first pit and Max was going super slow because Alonso pit for those mediums when it was raining. And um, then when he went back in for enters, when they came back out, I believe he was only 18 seconds behind. And I think if he had just put the enters on, if they went for that risk and been the first to make that call, I think Alonzo wins this race. Um, and I, that would have made the, the day for me as much as I love Red Bull and Max, he's already got this pretty much locked away for the year. And I would have loved to see Alonzo take it away, get some excitement in Monaco. Um, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. But the way that Max was driving in quali, <clears throat> it, and with that 13-second, you know, kind of buffer, if that would have been cut down a single digit, I think Max would have just gone, again, all out relentless to to get that pace of Red Bull's car, which is still, uh, I think, higher than, has a higher ceiling than uh, Aston Martin. And he would put it in place to win, but it I, it is a good idea. Like I, I do, it's a it's a fun idea to entertain. It, what if he did switch to intermediates? I, uh, I, you know, I, I'm I'm confident it would have happened. I just uh, it was I I couldn't have, I I actually just couldn't even fathom because looking from a spectator watching the people on those laps go through the wet sections of the track people were just like sliding. They were having to go incredibly slow. They were like snapping back and forth constantly. And I would, it, when the rain started, it was only on like two or three of the turns. And so, but it basically turned like two sections of the track into like snail pace until they could get back up to speed on dry sections. And that was like enough. That was like a whole pit stop worth of time to get those enters go through there with ease and make that pass. But um, so I don't understand where the decision to throw mediums on came from, but to your point, and I was going to bring this up anyways, Max is a robot. He's the only driver on the grid that I, that is driving as like faultless as possible. Like Max took a tire that Pirelli essentially said lasted like, I don't know, like 40 laps or whatnot. He was on like lap 53 or 54 or whatever before he switched. Like that guy was driving on tires. He should not have been driving on. He's extending the life of them. He's building a lead. He's almost never making a mistake, running off, hitting the wall, whatever, at least in a dangerous way. And yeah, I just don't see how anyone is coming close. Like the only other person on the track that I think is driving to his, his like, range of level is Alonzo who seems to be consistently uh driving pretty stellar uh but like even guys like Lewis are making uh small mistakes Lewis had the the little crash in quality which is so uncharacteristic of him I think he, he almost never bends it in quality ever and I think I, I I agree with you. I don't think Max, um, I think if the the gap was less, maybe he just picks up the pace and and, and closes that gap. But um I really I really thought it was possible for Alonso. But yeah, I mean, I don't see a world in which Max is is letting anything go by him right now. 
especially yeah, I think I mean especially with Monaco when you when you get the pole position there like Max did and then you have the car that Max has underneath him you can just go off right like like if you're if your initial uh off the line is is good and you know you have a car like that you're off you're you're, you're pretty much if you put it down the line you're you're going to win the race um well, but that's because you you have clean air ahead of you the pack is behind you you essentially it's your race to lose uh and i say that because if you take a look at what check and i think this is a good pivot to checo yeah that's uh, where i was going same, same car at the back of the pack no room to to overtake and if he does he gets into a, a really bad situation like he did so i think today was you know uh, of course max is having an absolute stellar uh year but i think today is just you know one of the pitfalls of having uh uh a track where overtaking isn't really readily available is the the, the first car out the gate as long as they don't mess up they they ha- they have full liberty to kind of do what they want to that's why i mentioned like if if that gap was uh between fernando and and, and max was dropped down to like uh a single digits then Max could have easily picked up the pace at the you know at the detriment of his tires, so he probably wouldn't have gotten the fifty laps out of uh, out of those tires. But yeah, I think once you're finally you know in that clean air, you're good to go. Like like you know you can you, you really have a lot of flexibility on what it is you want to do with your strategy. Your your engineers are able to experiment a little bit more, you know. Um, but then at the same time, when you're in the back of the grid like Checo was today. He just, I mean, he had a terrible qualifying. He just, he's, it's, it's a weekend for him to forget, especially, you know, uh, with his pedigree on street circuits, just wasn't there today. For, um, for me. If, yeah. I would love to hear your thoughts on, on, on Checo today, Chris. If, yeah. For, for me, Checo kind of proved, and I mean, I like Checo and I think he probably is one of the only people on the grid to deserve the second seat of Red Bull at the moment, but he definitely, for me, is not the championship driver that he wants to be. And I think it showed today that he can that he makes a lot of mistakes under pressure. Um, I think if Checo, like you said, is is the lead car in clean air where he has a lot of room to race, he's very racy. He can do dive bombs and he can and and make those like tough decisions and keep the car on track when he needs to. But in the situation where he was like dealing with back markers that are going slower than him, I think a burst, I think Max, given the situation, um, if they were to swap positions and Max was P20 and, and Checo was P1, I think Max makes the points. I think he finds ways around the cars. I think he finds the right situations to take risks and to not. And, you know, Checo had a few bumps, a few accidents. He had to pit extra times from that. I just think Checo, I don't think Checo knows how to adjust himself in the moment of how do I get through this train? How do I take one guy or two guys at the same time? He 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 just had one too many mistakes. Like obviously the mistake in qualifying was horrible. That happens. Um, but uh, his race today was just a little all over the place. And um, I think he could have done a little bit better. Like obviously in Monaco, you're not going to win from p20 even if you're max even if you're loose 
even if you're Schumacher from decades ago. Like that's just not going to happen in Monaco without red flags and other chaos. But uh, I think Checo could have definitely performed slightly better today and at least gotten maybe P10, P9, P8, um, because there was cars that were passable in that situation. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's a weekend to forget for him. Uh, I still think he's top tier driver. He's, he's, he's great. Just he's up slop- there. It's a sloppy weekend. Just a sloppy um, and weekend. It, and it wasn't just race day, right? It, it was qualifying as well. And, you know, it's very uncharacteristic of, of Checo and, I think, you know, there's not much left to be, in my perspective, there's not much to be dissected other than, you know, it was a sloppy weekend for the guy and and we we all have our down weeks. So uh, unless it becomes like a persistent kind of issue going into next races, I don't really foresee it being a a really big deal. Uh, They're still able to, you know, stay atop the championships, uh, championship points. Um, Max extended his lead, uh, above Checo uh, a bit more so yeah I, I just think it's one of those toss away weekends for for Checo Perez definitely uh one of the losers of the week uh which helps me pivot into another loser of the week Ferrari yeah um let's talk about their plans uh and how they have uh, a lot of them and that they want to deploy every single one of their plans on <laughs> every race because mine as well uh, what were your thoughts on Ferrari, Chris? Ferrari's difficult. Um, it, this race definitely felt like the Carlos Sainz show. Like, Lukark was almost never on air. Nothing really happened. His race was sort of ruined on the penalty uh, in qualifying, which is another Ferrari blunder. I don't think this was... I mean, I don't understand why Charles was on the racing line, not at speed. Uh, but his engineers were basically more focused on you know, what's Max doing? What's the quality pace for to the lead and not telling him, hey, you got Lando coming up behind you. And so he gets this three-place grid penalty that's just totally avoidable, ruins his race, could have started from P3. And um, then he was just in nowhere town the whole race. And then Carlos, you know. Has the opposite. Uh, he has the opposite issue where yeah. the team's giving him intel about people behind him and he's like fuck I don't, that I, need- I don't care about Hamilton <laughs> <laughs> like this is like I think Carlos has shown over the last two years that he's very frustrated with Ferrari's strategy and willing to take the lead um, And if, but if you're just constantly in a verbal battle with your engineers with your team and you're split on decisions like nothing's ever going to go you're not going to put the whole weekend together. So I just, I, Ferrari, something still needs to change. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't seen, like we used to see Mattia Bonotto, like every race, he was always on the pit wall. He was always talking. There was always something with him. I, we almost never see Freddie Vasseur. Maybe that's by design or by his own choice, but I, I'm curious how the rest of the year is this going to pan out and what Charles and Carlos will do at the end of it or through silly season with when their contract signings comes up because there's Ferrari showed again today that like, I don't think they're as bad as they were last year in terms of like their cars blowing up and, you know, just throwing races away that they would have won because they wouldn't have won today anyways, but they're still in a lot of problematic situations where they're just not making great decisions. And so 
they just kind of felt in nowhere land today again and un, un, unable to compete. Yeah, I, I don't see either of those guys staying at the team. Um, you know, there, in the past couple of weeks, there's argument to be made like Charles might stay or Carlos would stay. I think at the end of the day, I think they're both a bad fit for Ferrari at, at, at this moment in time. I think they're a bad fit as in the as current pairing. But they look good in red, baby. <laughs> they both and look they good. look, yeah. They, 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 they that, that's exactly what it is, right? They fit a certain ilk of driver that that superficially is is Ferrari, you know. Yeah. And and they, you know those guys are they're handsome, young, like they they they're so marketable. Uh, but the team is 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 in, there's no cohesiveness. There is no uh driving and, and no pun intended there's no driving force there in in a human capacity like like a toto wolf or a christian horner or or how michael schumacher kind of like took the reins on himself and, and 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 essentially willed his engineering team to make a better machine there is none of that you know they're kind of like resting on their laurels a, a bit here and and is exposing them and in really embarrassing ways like yeah like you mentioned that charles was having one set of problems with the engineers and they're having the almost exact opposite the same problem with carlos signs yeah um and if that's not a cluster a definition of a clusterfuck like i don't know what is um so yeah i think ferrari again uh you know another another lost opportunity for charles to shine in in his hometown and i think he's just over being pissed off about it which is a really sad thing to see so yep. you know he just he just kind of registers as like uh, no emotions uh after today's race so uh yeah not not, not the best weekend for ferrari as, as much as i uh i you know my true fandom doesn't lie with ferrari um and there's other drivers on the grid that I want to see do super well. If I had one wish for Formula One, I would give it to Charles Leclerc winning Monaco. Just, just because I don't think a single person could be happier in that moment than him winning Monaco finally after all the luck that he's had throughout the years. And continue like it's almost like it feels like the biggest curse in F1 is that Charles cannot perform at Monaco. Like I don't know, if, life, yeah. I don't know, I don't even if you saw this, but he did the like the historic race at Monaco where you're like driving yeah. the old cars, and he yeah. he still crashed out. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you can't even take like a like a historic fun race and complete the Monaco race or whatever. And it's just like, come on, like this guy's it's... luck is unreal. Um, yeah, but, it's it's very really unfortunate. But but uh, what you, like you were saying about the driver pairing. Um, yeah, like I think those guys probably get along off track a little bit, but on track, it seems like they're always battling for who gets to be here. And, uh, because the, they had to do a double pit stop, and you could see them sort of like battling to see who would get. And you have to have some sort of level of cohesiveness, like even when Checo and Max, like, very obviously are like butting heads about things when it comes to like strategy they typically try to like do what's best for the team as much as possible. And I think you need that to succeed as a personal driver and as a team, um, which leads me into another driver pairing 
And I know you want to talk about them a little bit. So, uh, you know, Russell and Hamilton and Mercedes, um, curious to your thoughts on, uh, like when Russell was trying to like beg to be let past Hamilton, I'm, I'm curious if you thought that that was warranted or not. I mean, I've come to expect it from George. Um, it's something that other people <clears throat> might not like about George. So it might be off-putting to some people. Yep, yeah, me. Present company <laughs> included. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but but I've come to ex- expect this from George. It's it's it's. I think what's going to make him a a much better driver is he's in a way asking for forgiveness and trying to ask for you know uh forgiveness at the same time yeah um i'm sorry he's trying to like you know to ask for, for permission, permission and, yeah, and, and forgiveness at the same time yeah. sorry is what i'm trying to say here uh, because he does respect Lewis, and I'm the biggest Lewis Hamilton fan, uh, I think, uh, on the face of the, the Western planet. Uh, but I get it where George is coming from. He's like, hey, if Lewis is not keeping up pace to to overtake Esteban, like, can I have at it? It's a perfectly fine ask. Yeah. And, and and you know, he, he did a similar thing uh, um, not last weekend, but the weekend prior. And, you know, he was like, thanks. I, I really appreciate it. I mean, it's it's hard to. Because then if he isn't aggressive, then he's going to get labeled as he just doesn't have it in him. You know, uh, I think it's it's a little bit of incumbent on Lewis to also put the car where it should be. And this is, you know, that they, they brought the, the the upgrades this week to 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 Monaco that should have probably been on display at Imola or it's probably a little bit more appropriate to have, uh, you know, that that's a debate in itself, but I think, and we'll see more of the, the capacity in the ceiling and the floor uh, of this new upgrade in, in Spain next week. But for just for today's sake, I think it showed a promising uh, uh, sign towards, you know, getting a little bit quicker, a little bit more stable, um, but Lewis still wasn't able to pass up Ocon and uh, I don't uh, it was hard for me to tell if that was just because due to the nature of the track or if because we just didn't have enough uh, uh, speed to, to kind of overtake. I, I do think it's more of the former. Uh, so I'm going to hold full judgment until I kind of see what they're able to do in Spain. Uh, Lewis did have a little bit of complaints throughout the race about the challenges that he was having with the car, but then post-race, both him and George Russell seemed like they were really positive about it and, you know, kind of, uh, giving, uh, due credence to, to their engineering teams. Um, so yeah, and, and Lewis registered the fastest lap, right. For, for the second half of that race, he, he had the fastest lap and he, you know, so there are green flags. Uh, the red flag is that they weren't able to to pass uh, Esteban and, and get and put it into podium. Uh, George also had a a bit of a mishap on 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 uh, uh, on the latter half of the race. Yep. So you know it, it wasn't the best race to to really determine if Mercedes' developments are fully there or if they made leaps and bounds of progress or just you know minuscule you know kind of steps ahead uh but yeah i think going back to your question i think george trying to overtake um it made sense if lewis was going super fast i don't think george would have made that ask but uh but i think it's all kind of going back to my point about yuki can you give feedback in a way that your team can digest it 
and use it in a constructive way. You know, if George's ask is, hey, Lewis is like kind of slower on pace than I am, is he, what's the plan here? Is he going to make the move or am I? That lets the team know like, hey, the, the, our drivers are looking to make a decision here. Now we need to get on his page, you know, something that Ferrari can't seem to do. So I'm using these other teams as an example to kind of illustrate what, where I think, you know, George has uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, he, I don't think he's in the wrong is what I'm trying to right. say. Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, it just, it was uh, for me in the moment and uh, you make some really good Is it points. his British accent? Uh, his, yeah. Yeah. His posh British accent. No, for me in the moment, it was, it was like the the ass started coming right after he got a five second penalty for the unsafe rejoin, and I was almost like he's like, can I get ahead of Lewis so I can get that five second buffer, which he already had anyways. Um, which it was interesting because Lewis was pretty much flat two seconds behind Ocon for a while, and then yeah. as soon as the ass started coming in, I don't know if you saw, but for like a lap or two, he got it under a second. Yeah, and I actually thought that I was like, "Oh shit, Lewis is putting on the medal here. He's going to go for the podium," and then he just kept falling back again, like back to a second, to a second and a half, back to two, and then, and I was just like, oh, "Come on, Lewis!" I was actually rooting for him for a span of like three or four laps because I thought he could put yeah. a fight for the podium. But yeah, I mean, it's like like Esteban Ocon is not as easy to pass up as Logan Sargent, right? Yeah. So so it's and. and if he was, Lewis would have passed him up, I think. So I don't think it was it was due to performance of the car. Yeah. Uh, I really do think it was due to the nature of the track and, and Esteban's ability to, to close off those uh, uh, those overtake uh, in, in, the, in the corners, uh, unlike Logan Sargent. Um, so so yeah, like I think we'll really see what what they're made of in in Spain. But I I was happy as as a Mercedes fan as a spectator of 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 sport sporting race like this was a good thing for Mercedes. Um, I'm not going to take anything away from them this this week. Uh, but if next week for some reason they have mishaps and their performance issues, then you know I'll probably be a little bit more uh, I'll scrutinize them a little bit heavier. But I think th- today was a good race for, I'm gonna, for Mercedes. I'm going to make a bold statement. Um... And one that I probably wouldn't have made two years ago because I didn't love Lewis in my initial year of F1. But I think Lewis Hamilton of, you know, 2021 is going to be back uh, starting in the next race or two. I think um, I think the car, the upgrades on the car did not shine in Monaco because, number one, it's hard to shine in a track where you're going very slow in a lot of the corners. And number two, they've had one race and one quality session and a few practices to dial in the setup, learn the new car, learn how it feels, and they still performed well. So I think the upgrades are probably going to be an overall net positive. I don't think it's going to get them to be fighting wheel-to-wheel with Red Bull, but I do think they're going to be fighting for podiums and fighting for, you know, to go back and forth with Alonzo on who gets the third or second seed in the podium. So I think it's yeah, all, I think, I think they're, they're one point shy now of Aston Martin in the constructors cup. So yeah, well, that's a Lance Stroll problem, but you know, we could, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to that some other time because we've talked enough about the guy, but you know, he was in nowhere land again today too, but um, maybe that's the, a good pivot into, into our, uh, our less performative uh, players. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Let, let's start with Lance. 
Yeah, I listen, Lance is, you know, probably not going anywhere unless the bigger decisions need to be made. But and he was already and he did have some bad luck today. Like he got hit by a couple people, but he's another guy that just doesn't have situational awareness. I'll say like he'll try to go inside or outside around people without realizing that it's going to damage his car. Like, like he reminds me, I'm trying to think of a good analogy, but he reminds me of like someone who's like, if I do this, everyone will just just know what to do in response without like realizing that this is just going to cause an accident. Like he does this like very often, like where he'll take a line and just be like, these people have to get out of my way and then they don't and then they collide. So, and I think that that's like the really great drivers on the track can sort of anticipate how the other human will react in the situation. So I think Lance gets themselves in these problematic situations too often. Um, Do you think that's to do with this complex being a billionaire son? Probably. Yeah. I mean, you know, when is that when what you're really trying to say, Chris? When, when you have yes men around yourself all the time and you get your way, and yeah, I mean, you, you could either become Lance Stroll or you become the Batman, yeah. You know? <laughs> so <laughs> it's gonna go one or two ways with the personality types there, you know, or yeah. you become, you know, one of the Menendez kids, yeah. Um, so, but Lance has had a lot of opportunities. Um, and you know, I, I think when Lance is in clean air and when Lance you know, has a decent car under him. He's actually a capable driver. I just don't think he's a capable racer. Like he reminds me of a, of a way less competent Valtteri Bottas. Like Valtteri is one of the fastest guy on the track, but you put him in the situation with 20 other people. And sometimes he goes bowling and crashes 10 people out. And I think Lance is the same. Like you put him in the simulator, he's going to put up good lap times. You put him in a real life situation with a lot of cars around him. He has a lot of problems. So, um, but yeah, Lance, uh, you know, he was our only D, like true DNF today. And uh, it sucks, but I think at the end of the season, they're going to have to actually make that tough choice. Like, if he doesn't leave this year, he'll never leave until he's retiring. Because um, there's just no chance. To, there's no merit to keep him on. So if he stays, it's just a, a, a guaranteed seat for him for life. And then... Um, but yeah, like I, I hope he has a better end of the season, but you know, it is what it is. Lance is probably going to always be in or out depending on the race, but, uh, let's it, talk the thing about is, the thing is, I'll say one thing on Lance is it's not his first Monaco race. Yeah. Like it is Logan Sargent's. Um, and so he doesn't have that excuse of like, I'm a rookie and I messed up, um, and, and I mean, we saw Checo mess up uh, this weekend as well. So uh, I think Lance, he has a decent ceiling, but I think his floor is going to be the floor for the whole team. It's not going to be Fernando's floor that's going to dictate the floor of the team. It's going to be Lance's. And right now he is setting a floor for Aston Martin that could be raised if you just bring in another driver you know and it's an appealing seat i know we talked about it before but if you just think in terms of like what's the floor potential and the ceiling the ceiling potential they already have with with fernando the ceiling potential that they could get with lance is pretty promising i i, I would say 
the floor uh, for Fernando has not been seen yet <laughs> this season. I, I would I would say because he's been in 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 uh, in uh, in pulp or he's been on podium for for every single race. But when you think about the floor for Lance, which is going to dictate the floor of the Constructors Cup for that team, it's much lower than the progress the team has made in the past year. And I think that is going to be a driving factor in. Uh, I know you mentioned that that he has a guaranteed seat, but I think it's going to become less guaranteed as as, as that as that you know kind of gap becomes scrutinized more and more by 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 the team itself, but also like fans, right? Like fans don't want to have a, a team that keeps coming up in third or, or fourth in the constructors cup uh, because you know of of a driver uh, who who just isn't. Uh, there based on merit so yeah i think lance had a tough week again uh given that it was monaco i'll i'll let it pass a little bit but because it's not his first monaco i still think you know he 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 he's giving everyone a reason to to take another look at him in, 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 in not, not a great way as long as the car stays the same as this year i want to see charles in that seat see what see what that ceiling is I don't want to see another rookie. I don't want to see another amateur. I want to see. I, I just don't think they anticipated that this car is going to be this great. Yeah. Um, going into this year in the stable, uh, <laughs> which does lead me to think, what if they did? What if they knew about it a year beforehand and they knew about Lance's like, I guess they still would have given him the seat, right? Like, because they would have given him that at least a year to test out. Um, and you know, the guy did really well with the broken hand. So I don't want to forget that. Uh, but it is a, it is a fickle sport and, and it's not about what you did yesterday. It really is about what you're going to do today and tomorrow. Um, so, so yeah, from that perspective, I think Lance is in a hot seat for me. This not, not a hot seat, but he is a loser this week for me. Um, we'll see what, you know, what he's able to do to rectify that, uh, next, next week. Um, like I want to pivot real quick to what you yeah. you mentioned him, uh, Logan Sargent, because F one is really interesting. Um, because in theory, you have the twenty best drivers in the world driving because there's only so many seats and there's a lot of money in the sport. And so why would you waste any valuable seat real estate on anybody that else that doesn't deserve it? And I don't know whether Logan deserves the seat or not, but it's such an interesting thing that you're, you could tell today that he was essentially not belonging on the streets of Monaco. And yeah. um, I don't know if there's another driver out there who would just get into that seat and take it to the limit, but you know, it was it, 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 interesting to see like somebody basically like cutting the, like getting their like, driver's permit as you were or however you want to metaphor it out on the streets in a live f1 race like because that guy was just getting past like he was an obstacle and um it's like one of those things like how many years of racing w before you actually get to like before you get to the caliber where you belong to be there uh, before you lose your seat so it's sort of like you sort of almost have to start performing immediately to keep your seat in F1. So it, it, it's an interesting thing for me to see somebody on the track performing as poorly as him uh, in that situation. Um, I, you know, yeah, I, 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 I want to give him some grace given, you know, again, that he is a rookie. It's his first time in Monaco. 
uh he had a he had a pretty decent start to the year so it is uh, tough to see him kind of backtrack a little bit but you know oscar piastri was able to put it in points today uh zoe last year uh, for his rookie year did a pretty decent job here as well um and and you know even nick devries is is you know the first monaco race he was able to kind of put it in at least not get points but finish uh in a, in a, in a respectable time yeah i think again that this this track is so tough to 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 determine a, a team or a driver's uh uh kind of i guess how good they're doing in that particular season and it's hard to not write it off as a one-off but given his struggles from last week oh sorry the week before and and this week it is giving me cause for concern that logan Sargent might you know might not be that uh that stellar driver that 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 we had thought of in, in the first uh leg of the season um I won't write him off just yet. I'm going to give him a little bit more time to see how he matures and develops because like, you know, like Yuki, uh, there's always, there's potential to, to grow. Um, so I'm going to let him be this week. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be too, I think I've been mean enough uh, on him uh, over the course of this conversation, but my man got passed up like the last kid at, you know, in a pickup basketball game. He just, in a, in a in a track where it's so hard to pass someone up, he I think got passed up like five or six times. It, uh, to me, it was the double pass. I, I forget who passed him first. Oh yeah, but yeah, then Sergio yeah. was like, "I guess I'll do it too." Like, yeah, I was like, "You're it, not." He was going so like it was almost like he gave up. Like he's like, "All right, guys, just get by me so I can just continue my race in the back." Yeah, um, but like you and said, it, I'm not going to write him off. I'm not going to give him too much trouble because he is. A rookie and it was raining and it's monaco and all this stuff but uh you still there's only 20 seats and you know you have to be a top tier driver to be there so um we'll see how he we seems he seems to be more concerned about it than nutella boy so i'll give him that much <laughs> uh, but but another, another thing that was kind of sad to see was a lack of sponsors on on the williams car it uh it definitely seemed like a blue blob with the duracell battery on it <laughs> well uh, they should hire zach brown to do some uh some deals for him because that the mclaren's got more sponsors on it than it has that's cars. what i'm saying you know <laughs> like I, I was like haas has more sponsors than you guys do like what are you hire me like what, what are these like like partnership what's the partnership team doing at williams to to get uh more sponsors it's 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 unreal i mean um, williams doesn't have much going for them like uh you know haas at least has gunther who was like the star of drive to survive there's lots of marketing opportunities around there mclaren's obviously like a you know stay name and but like williams like they had the change of ownership and uh you know from the family and they had a huge falling from grace from their championship caliber performance that they were for a long time and now they're just kind of like a nowhere team without an identity, without a brand. And it's like, it's hard to sell that to people. So honestly, I would just take Williams 
to like the series C D tech companies that are like not public yet and just be like, hey, if you guys give us an X amount of money, we'll just throw your sticker like on our car. And that way, you know, these these companies don't really have much to lose. They're trying to get, you know, their name out there anyways. It's just it just looks bad, Chris. Like it's completely like blue man group, royal blue, nothing on it. It it if that Duracell battery wasn't on it, it would look even sadder. So it, it's a I I guess it's the identity of the team, right? With Logan doing as poor as he is, it does it make me feel a little bad for for Alex Albon. Uh, you know, I, I've talked about him before on 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 the show that I really do think he is a capable driver. He just hasn't had the 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 opportunity yet to be with a car and a team that can kind of give him what he needs. So, uh, yeah, again, Williams just a really poor. Uh, poor weekend. Much more so for Logan Sargent. Um, uh, yeah, he's one of my losers of the week. Yeah. Uh, I I don't want to get crucified by the Formula One. Uh, you know, longevity fans that have been around for a long time and Williams through other heyday. But take the team to Andretti. They're buying. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, maybe it's time to throw in the towel. But we'll see. You know. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I hope that they can find some performance like they have a good driver, like you said, Alex. And um, yeah, I hope they can figure out something with their car and their identity. And I'd like to see 10 capable teams on the track that are all capable of putting it up in the points and, uh, you know, getting sponsors on their car. So um, mm. how about winners? Who's your winners this week, Shane? Winners this week. SD bestie. Um Hey, you know, I'm a sucker for for background stories and and people, you know, kind of pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and and there's none like the Esteban Ocon family and really, you know, he after what Lauren Rossi said uh, publicly about uh, Alpine and and kind of our our positive projections for them coming into this year and kind of the 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 lack of them meeting standards and 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 all of that that kind of went into this season and all up to now i think esteban ocon has been a really solid and consistent um kind of presence for that team you know with you know with them switching from renault to alpine you know getting different uh team principles and and Lauren Rossi deciding to, you know, turn up the burner at, 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 <laughs> at very different points and taking, you know, um, you know, I think he also takes a lot of credit for things that he probably didn't do. Esteban Ocon has kept a pretty even keel, uh, barring, you know, the 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 mishaps that happened earlier this year. Um, I forgot what, what race it was, Chris, but uh, where he got like all of those penalties stacked up against him. That that was an anomaly. I think this is much more close to the form that Esteban Ocon can, can show, I think, in, in a car like uh, uh, that Alpine has. And, 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 and I'll expand on that. I think Alpine was a good, uh, has a good case for being winners to, uh, today. Uh, Pierre Gassi, you know, came in, uh, I believe he came in uh, seventh, you know, still in points, wasn't probably, I mean, I'm sure he w- would have wanted to get uh, further up the 
the, the rankings, but I think between him and Ocon scoring points, Ocon getting on podium, it, it was a really good day uh, for, for Alpine. Hopefully this kind of is a pivoting point for them in the season towards a, towards a, a much more positive uh, next 20 races. And then I would also say Fernando Alonso. I mean, hard to hard to hate the guy i saw him videos of him watering flowers like just <laughs> it, it was awesome like he's just so cool and like i love the fact that he's old and that he's short gives me something to look uh you know look forward to yeah i'm gonna i'll fully agree with the esteban like he's one of those guys that's just always there to capitalize uh when it's when it needs to be i mean he was given a gift with Charles's penalty where he got to move up to the, you know, to the three, but he showed that like he can, he can get hit by Carlos. He can get pushed around. He can get bullied and he's not going to break under the pressure and he's going to be Mr. Consistent. You know, he's had a couple of fortunate um, moments in the last few years. Like when he, when he won in, I believe it was hungry. Um, you know, he had help with Alonzo in, in that race and um, sort of defending off Hamilton. But he is the one that's taking that car and putting it where it needs to be and getting it onto the podium. And so today, yeah, it really showed that, like, he deserved um, the spot. Like, he could have easily lost it to lots of other drivers or other drivers would have lost out in, in the similar situation. So, yeah, super big props to Esteban today. Uh, he's one of those guys that will probably never be WDC, but definitely deserves a seat in F1. Um, and I, I think we'll, we haven't seen the last time that guy is going to win a race in the sport, especially if um, Alpine keep moving forward. Because today, like you said, Alpine showed that they are there. They are, they do have performance. Uh, and uh, I'll make the definitive statement now that it was not Lawrence Rossi's uh, credit. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think so either. I think, I mean, there's something to be said for p- putting a fire under your athlete's butt to get them going. Every great coach does it. Every good GM does it. Um, you know, Christian Horner, I think, has it down to uh, him. And um, who's the ultimate boss at, at uh, Helmut Marco? I think they have it down to almost a science, like a cruel science, but it works. Yeah it doesn't work when you kind of wield it every now and again, right? There has to be some sort of rhyme or reason to it. I think Lauren Rossi, I I hope this is not a case for him to keep publicly bashing his team. If for some reason they get, they have a dip in the season Um, because, you know, that's just, I can also see that becoming an issue as well. But for this week, uh, I think they did well. Uh, I think they heard, uh, their CEO's, uh, you know, sentiments, and then they reacted to it. And um, I think Esteban got the, the the best part of that deal this week. Um, who else do you got for winners, Chris? Uh, I mean, I talked about him enough, and I, I won't go into it. But Max, like, um, you know, he was almost off camera the whole race because it's so boring to watch him when he's out front and just being a robot. But the guy is just a monster like uh he's driving at the absolute limit right now he's so like he's the only guy that was on the track throughout you know quality and the race that i just felt like 
you don't have to worry about him bending it or crashing or making a huge blunder. Um, yeah, the guy's just on fire. And like, I just think the cemented with Checo not performing today that he not has nothing to worry about because, you know, reliability problems, things can happen. But I think he basically just cemented the fact that this is mine. Like, you know, let's look to next year for everyone else. So, um, yeah. No arguments there. Yeah. Yeah. So Mac, Max is just on fire. But um, yeah, that to the opposite of that is going to be my hot seat. Um, hot seat this week for me is Haas. And mainly because like, where is this team and what are they doing? Every year at the start of the season, there's like a lot of hope. You have like Hulkenberg, like putting it up and qualifying at the beginning, you know, like when, um, when Magnuson came back, he immediately performed and then they just kind of die. And, you know, I think they qualified 17th and 18th and ended 17th and 19th and just like constantly going off the track, constantly just not competing. It just feels like, what is this team doing in F1? And for me, this is the first week where I was just like, you know, like kind of like Williams, like, why are you here? Like what's going on? So um, I just think something needs to change at Haas, which we will get to that in a minute with our off track talk. Uh, they have a, they have a new deal going in for next year. So, but yeah, Haas is on my hot seat because uh, the other hot seat people have been there for too long. So we got to put Haas in there this week for me, but yeah, I just, yeah. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what their, what their goal is beside you know, taking a car around the track every week. Uh, they're on my hot seat for exactly that reason. I think that is their goal. I think that is their only goal is, hey, let's just get it around the track. I'll talk to Gene. We'll, 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 we'll mull it over. That has been the sentiment for this team probably the whole season. And in those sentiments, I guess there's flexibility for those two guys to get some great, you know, sprint times or quality times. But when it really comes down to to the bare like you know like the the meat of, of the weekend they're they're nowhere to be seen uh i, I don't know how both kevin magazine and nico hulkenberg ended up in 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 pretty much dead last it, both of them like not it wasn't even like a big gap in between them it's just they're both kind of the bottom of the pack i don't really know what this team's gonna do um i i i suspect uh i think they're 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 on a year contract or nico hulkenberg is i think this might be a year that they 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 switch out nico hulkenberg and try to get someone else in there um even if it doesn't work even if nothing works they just need to change something you know and it's not going to be gene uh i'm sorry it's not going to be um Gunther, he just released a new book, so it's not going to be him. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's it, it's going to be one of the two drivers, and I think it's going to be Nico uh, at first, and then I think Kevin's going to be uh, following shortly after that. Uh, the, the stable of drivers that have enough uh, super super license points is just again very bare. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're, I don't know who can kind of come in and backfill those seats, but. That's why I think they have to do one at a time. Um, but right but yeah, yeah, let's let's talk about this off track uh, subject with, with Haas. What what um yeah, what do you got here, Chris? It's it's looking like um 
Alpha Romeo is is doing a title deal with uh, Haas, um, given that you know Audi's going to be taking over in 2026. So I, I'm really curious how this is going to to pan out. I need to read up on it a little bit more, but it looks like uh, Alpha Romeo and Haas are going to sort of like team up. Um, although this deal says it's for 2024, and Audi's not coming into uh, into the play until 2026. So it looks like we might have. Uh, two iterations of Alfa Romeo next year with uh, Alfa Romeo Haas and and an Alfa Romeo uh, title team for themselves, but um, it's an incestual sport. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> a couple different engines, a couple different names. Uh, there was a funny joke that appeared on Reddit uh, today that said, like, you know, by the end by the end of a, the few years, every single team will start with an A. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, Alfa Romeo, Audi, Aston Martin. <laughs> A Mercedes, uh, AM, AMG. No, no they, <laughs> oh, AMG. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, AMG. AMG yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's like it's so, a Red Bull, a Red Bull, <laughs> a Red Bull, a Red Bull. But yeah, no. So um, I, I'm not sure what the what the benefit is is going to be to the teams because Alfa Romeo. Rome, wow, I can't speak at all. But Alfa Romeo and Haas are both kind of nowhere teams at the moment, and you put two nowhere teams together, and they're probably going to be nowhere still. So, but yeah, um, their name is still near and close, proximal to to the sport, and I think at a certain point that brings in uh, marketing dollars. I think yeah. uh, Lawrence Stroll had mentioned something about um, just the existence of Aston Martin F one team has brought in over a billion dollars in profits and revenue for them just this last year, um, and and so it goes to show you that. If you do it right, there's still an incredible marketing value coming from the sheer fact that your logo is near F1, um, which is why you know I had made the point of Williams going out and potentially striking contracts with some of these Series D, like, like these these tech companies that are almost on the brink of becoming IPO, giving them you know spots on their car for a you know a relatively discounted price. But you're getting you're not getting money anyways for for leaving a, a blind spot on on your car. So like, I think the the significance here of Alfa Romeo kind of teaming up with Haas and both you know essentially dying stars of the sport is to keep their name close enough to F1 at a point where it is one of the most marketable uh, forms of entertainment, you know, outside of like UFC and NFL, you know, like, which is crazy to think about, like, look at us, we're both decked out in F1 licensed gear that probably costs more than, you know, our, a basketball Jersey, a football Jersey. So, you know, and it ships from like afar, you know? So like, it, it's, it really, there's a lot of money that can be circulated. And if you're a business-minded person uh, that I'm sure, which is what's pushing this deal for Alfa Romeo and Haas is a mutually beneficial business deal. Uh, I don't think there's a whole bunch of racing going into this. Yeah, uh, I think it's sure. more of a, of a money grab than anything else. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that perspective. And like you said, uh, like what Stroll has done with Aston Martin as much as he was the evil bad guy coming into the sport when he took over, the guy has done everything right. And he may probably be a hard person to work for or intimidating, but he's made some really good decisions and probably made a lot of money, like you said, 
uh, for the team, I mean, for the organization. He, 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 Helmet Marco, I think Toto and and the and the managing uh, team at, at at Mercedes are shrewd businessmen that understand how to put the right people in place, but also know when to pull the plug as quickly. Whereas Laurent Rossi, I think, and, and, and I may be completely wrong here. This is me kind of just as a spectator looking in. He has this effect where he maybe not like wants to take the blame for what could go potentially wrong with the decision making at Alpine. But whenever things go right, he, you know, kind of positions himself, wedges himself in there. If that's the impression that I'm getting of Laurent Rossi. Uh, and I just don't know if that, you know, I've talked to you, Chris, at length about the cultures of teams and how it's a trickle down effect where it starts at leadership and then comes down uh, even to the to drivers as well. And that's where like, I'm seeing a bit of a separation uh, that I'm able to put a finger on Haas. They have a Gunther Steiner, but Gene is the one that's, you know, putting in the money and, 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 you know, putting them at risk by making fucking decisions that war criminals make. And, you know, <laughs> like, like Laurent Rossi, you know, like he puts, uh, uh, Otmar in charge who, who's, I think is a capable, you know, person to, 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 to run a ship, but, then he also puts the blame on Otmar whenever things go wrong without taking it on any part of the blame on himself. Uh, I think you have Ferrari who like, like, like you had mentioned when, when Benotto was there, like he was the front and center face and they had a little bit of success there. And now like, I don't know if it's by design or not, but Freddie Vassar and the entire management team is kind of behind this, like this curtain. Um, So, so I think, the best teams is like not even looking at the drivers essentially, man. I think like if you just take a look at the ownership and the leadership and understand, and I think Lawrence Stroll has made me appreciate that more. Yeah. For I, think sure. I came into this, I came into the sport post, uh, you know, uh, helmet Marco and Toto already kind of at the helms of, of these teams. Uh, and so I didn't get to see what that effect might've even been. I thought like, you know, you just have to be good enough. And the drivers will and the engineer will take care of the rest, but that's not the case. You need to have someone that is shrewd and can make tough decisions. Remember when when Christian was like, Daniel doesn't want a, a fight. Like he, we gotta let him go. Like and and to do that after the fact that Daniel had put up some really incredible seasons for Red Bull, that's just a shrewd business decision. You know, he made the right call there, even though it was an unpopular call. And and you know, Toto he made the, the team as a whole but him essentially made the call to not have side pods into and he stuck with that but he also took the blame for it right like he stuck by his convictions yeah, for uh, sure. and and i think you know I, i'll get off my soapbox here but but yeah i think the more mature uh as i become a, a f1 fan i think the more i'm gonna start paying attention to uh the the people in the back offices, right? Like, like, the, like, like Zach Brown, like, like we mentioned, does a great job of bringing money in, but then on the engineering side, like, 
things are kind of uh, kaput for for the last year or two. So, so, so I, I am starting to pay a little bit more attention to to leadership and and how they because um, it could just be a money grab, right? Like this Alfa Tor, oh sorry, the Alfa Romeo uh, Haas thing, and and that that perfectly fits into that what I expected from those teams, anyways. Yeah, I mean, well, that's a topic that I think we can dive deeper into as the season goes further along, because I agree with you about this, the the leadership and the ownership. I think it's important. And what they're really good at is creating an environment for a championship caliber, caliber team to come together. And that's a team based on engineers. I, I guess, talent. Chris, Chris, I guess I will ask you, since you brought up the Andretti piece, let's use them as an example. Do you think Mario Andretti has the pedigree, the shrewdness, all all the things you need to bring Andretti into the sport and start having uh, a, a positive effect. Um, I or do very, you think that he might miss the mark? So I have very limited uh, knowledge on just like uh, the other auto sports that Andretti is in. But from what I know, from what I've read throughout the deals that he's tried to do in F1 and his persistence and also his connections – I think he does. I think at least I'll say what I'll say definitively is I think he has more capability than some of the other leaders in the sport than, you know, maybe the genes or the Laurent Rossi's and stuff like that. I think that he has uh, this capability of bringing a huge organization. Um, I, I forget the engine supplier that he has backing with him is do, do you remember? I think it was like Cadillac or, not, but he already has like a huge uh engine. I think you know, it's I think it's GM, right? I, I can't remember, but um but he already had that like backing backing to him, and he's been so persistent playing every angle that he can to get into F1. Um, and honestly, I'd really like to see, even if it's an 11th team, I'd like to see what happens if he does it. So I think I think yeah, it could it's, be it's and, Andretti Cadillac. Yeah, it would be the and, Andretti Cadillac uh, concept. That yeah, so he's, like he has a huge backing. He already has a huge manufacturer behind him. He's got the money. Like, I want to see the guy in the sport more than I want to see Alfatari stay around yeah. or a Haas stay around. So, or maybe yeah. even a Williams. So, um, yeah, uh, I'm 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 excited to see what what. I, Again, this is my first kind of foray into seeing a new team bring being brought in. So when Audi gets kind of established, what what does that look like? So so all of this, you know, is is it's uh it's in progress. Uh, but but I guess what I will say is that certain teams are there for the cash, and certain teams are there with the right kind of leadership that's going to get them to the promised land, and they have an actual, you know mission uh and and you know and the, and the thing the thing is after seeing what aston martin was able to do it gives me hope that if you put the right if you just bring the right people in they can take the the what's already been built like the foundations of these work teams and and some of the smaller teams and just really make like a competitive playing field out of them uh but how many Lauren strolls are there in the world? Right. So, so I guess, you know, if, if there's one like Mario Andretti knocking at the door, like, I just, I agree with you. I don't, I don't see why they don't let the guy in, you know, and, and, and let the sport kind of flourish and at least give him a chance to, to, 
to put his money where his mouth is. But um, because because the vultures don't want another vulture who's good at, <laughs> at what they do, you know, you know, they, they want uh, they got to keep the pie to themselves. But yeah, they they want pigeons. They don't want yeah. more fucking vultures. But exactly. uh, but cool. Let's let's talk about uh, our predictions for next week, Chris. Who you got? Who you got in the podiums? Uh, I mean, I think uh, it's going to be a difficult scenario to have a very shaken up podium for the rest of this year. I think we're always going to have a Red Bull or two. So I, I, I got to put Max. He's just driving too, too well. Um, and Alonzo has been Mr. Consistent. He's only missed the podium once. So I got to put him up there. And I think we're going to see the, uh, the Mercs uh, come up to speed and to see a little bit of Lewis's racing caliber come back to life. So I think we're going to have a Max Alonzo Lewis podium uh, in Spain. How about yourself? Yeah, I think uh, I'm not too far off from where you're at. I think Max and Alonzo are going to get the first two positions, and I'll split the Mercedes with you. I think George is going to come in uh, and and take P3 if he has the same kind of, um, uh, I'll say, anxiety and and kind of you know the 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 willingness to to really push the car that he did in Monaco this week. I think he'll he'll be able to position himself in P3. Uh, but if I see Lewis up there, I'd be thrilled dude i'll be realistic yeah i'd be incredible over the moon listen as much as i had a problem with the guy like i want to see that guy back on podiums he's a pure racer he's a seven-time world champion and uh he's one of the best drivers that have ever lived i want to see him like at alonzo status like you know back on the podium fighting and putting it uh and you know hopefully the cars can get a little bit better and these guys can can compete with max uh, which would be an amazing sight to have like three guys battling wheel to wheel trying to get first it would be so great. But um, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for Spain because with Imola being canceled, we basically have had almost nothing but street tracks um, right. for the year. You know, we had it's you funny know, how that worked out. Yeah, we had Baku, we had Jeddah, Miami, Monaco, Miami, all street tracks besides Bahrain. And, you know, I'm it. it I'm ready to see real racing on real race tracks. As much as the street tracks bring lots of spectacle, I think that they need to be a little less in the cadence. So um, Spain's going to be back to form for racing and to see what these cars can really do uh, in, a, in a proper track where you can pass, you have high-speed corners uh, and not walls, um, you know, boxing you in and, and keeping you from passing. So I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, and I can't, I can't wait to see what, what's going to happen in Spain. Yeah, me and you both, man. Yeah. Well, until then, it has yeah. been great talking to you. Of course, uh, uh, Chris. As always, um, we'll see each other again after the Spanish Grand Prix next Sunday. Yep, looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk then. Thanks, All thanks right. again. Bye, everybody. See you guys. Bye.